So you're saying that the stuff you're learning in college isn't translating to the real world. Is that what I'm hearing or? Yeah, I'd say for the most part, um, that's probably true. The, the reality is, is that the university can't keep up with how fast stuff is changing these days too. That's the other component. So, wow. you know, Harley mentioned GPT and I would say most of our professors, they might know what it is, but like they have no conception of what's coming down the road here. And just a quick example, like one of our professors, we're, we're learning a, a software called Pro Model. And despite its name with the Pro, it actually is really <laughs> horrible at modeling things. So, but because the professor is tenured and only has another year or so, he has no desire to go learn the new software that is relevant, that's being used in industry, because that require him to actually, you know, relearn how to do that kind of stuff. All right, and we're live. Awesome. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Hive, for coming on. I'd love to start with you guys just introing yourself, just a bit about who you are and what you do, and, and we'll go from there, maybe starting with you, Harley. So my name is Harley Sealbinder. I'm 22 years old. I live in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I, I help run a cleaning business in the town I live in, and I also go to industrial engineering school. And about 15 months ago, 16 months ago, I started this weekly podcast. It started with a, like an individual, just topic-based podcast. Then it moved to an interview style. And now it might be moving back to an individual style podcast. But who knows? Maybe live streams, maybe not. Every day, it's a new channel of opportunity to learn. It's like, oh, yeah. I have no idea what Big I'm time. doing. There's no like perfect formula or template. But every day, I'm just learning. I'm using GPT to help come up with topics. I'm just nice. I'm very thankful. I work with a team out in Bangladesh to do a lot of my content for me now. So now I can mainly focus on the mic and my life in real life. So yeah, that's me. Heck yeah, dude. Heck yeah. Yeah, so... My name is Nathan Wanky. Um, I also study industrial engineering and we both study at Western. And it's a unique degree in the sense that there's a component, it's called industrial engineering and entrepreneurial engineering. So they add on more of like the cost starting a business side and those classes are the best. So those are really interesting. Um, a lot of useful skills there. But mainly, mainly what I do is actually run a landscaping business. So we have about... Um, when we're full-time, we got about four to five full-time guys and we do like retaining walls, patios, lawn maintenance, that kind of stuff. Um, nothing crazy fancy, but it's good work. And it gives a, it gives me a lot of um, experience in the real world and dealing with customers. And it's pretty cool to be um, in classes and then have have so much of the content to be just not, not real world-based. And yet I already have that experience. So it's cool to see like what, what you're actually going to be doing. Yeah. What you're actually going to be doing versus what they say you are or what you're learning at school is quite the, uh, quite the contrast. So, uh, <laughs> so you're but, saying that okay. university is, is so far, well, I mean, we call it university here, right? College mm -hmm. over there. So you're saying that the stuff you're learning in college isn't translating to the real world. Is that what I'm hearing or? Yeah, I'd say for the most part, um, that's probably true. The, the reality is, is that the university can't keep up with, how fast stuff is changing these days too. That's the other component. So, wow. you know, Harley mentioned GPT and I would say most of our professors, they might know what it is, but like they have no conception of what's coming down the road here. And just a quick example, like 
one of our professors were, were learning a, a software called Pro Model, and despite its name with the Pro, it actually is really <laughs> horrible at modeling things. So, but because the professor is tenured and only has another year or so, he has no desire to go learn the new software that is relevant that's being used in industry because that would require him to actually you know relearn how to do that kind of stuff. So there's a bit of an incentive structure problem there and the real world is is just different i'm not saying there's no useful information there certainly is um but a terrifyingly large amount of it is questionable in terms of its usefulness and relevance given the fast-changing environment we live in so i don't know harley has, i imagine a similar experience because we talk about it a lot but probably a little bit different but yeah it's like Spend two thousand dollars to learn an outdated software that really is not intuitive. <laughs> it's rough. When in reality, you could go to GPT, code me, or pr- provide me the code for this. Or it's like we have to individually code this non-intuitive software from two thousand, and it's like, wow. Like we talk with our TA, and we're like, so how do we solve this? And he's like. I have no idea. I don't use ProModel in the real world. I use another software that's more intuitive. And you're just kind of like sitting there like, wow, what an interesting amount of money I'm spending for this. Huh. That's pretty mm. it's pretty exciting to hear. But no, yeah. It's also almost like as well, like you have to with these, you know, these um bureaucracy and 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 universities and whatnot, there's a separation between like speed and policy it's like this policy is put in place and like this thing this thing and this thing so if you were to introduce it to the university they would be like oh well no there's this policy or this standard or this hazard so the turnaround time would be you know years at least um yeah so that's that's huge and i think also um there's a big difference between principles and um what would you call uh that's what i'm looking for like principles meaning there's underlying structures for how you should do things, say for business, right? Like you need to have a, a business strategy, for example, like maybe you don't, but I'm just using it as an example. Sure. There's a difference between like the application of those principles. So I feel like what what's missing, like you'll learn the principles and I'd love to talk about um, industrial, was industrial engineering? Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That is so interesting. So industrial engineering, you said industrial entrepreneurship, is that what you said as well? So it's it's industrial and entrepreneurial engineering is the technical term for the for the major. Right, right. Well, let's unpack that. So what what is involved in that really? Sure, Harley, you want to start us off? Yeah. So I guess I did a podcast about four weeks ago, maybe five, about what industrial engineering is. And I guess a good buzz phrase for it what might be is the engineering of business, how to make a business profitable and efficient in, and like how to improve the processes within it. And that's only like maybe one side of it. There's like a cost and financial analysis side. There's a simulation side. But I guess the overall theme is how can we look at the business as a whole and try to make the processes within it more effective and honestly, at the end of the day, make the business more profit. And so that's, I guess that's a summary, but. Yeah. Yeah, well. Yeah, no, that, that last, was a pretty good summary. I'll go. I was going to say, because last night for the first time, and this probably makes me look like a bad business owner, but for the first time I sat down. So I knew my incomings, I knew my outgoings, generally speaking, but I sat down, I mapped out the man hours of the whole business. Like, what is it really taking my staff to do a video? What is that's it really smart. taking to do this? And for so long, like I was living in this delusional land. It was my it was my ego partly and wishful thinking. And it's so interesting how those two come together as far as the, the mind and business. 
I was always like pushing aside, like, oh, you know, I have this fantasy mind that it takes this long and then it costs this much and then I need this much, this, this many resources. But I broke it down. I'm like way off, like on how many hours I need yeah. and then how much resources I'm using for my own page and, you know, like the, 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 the profit um, percentage versus if I did my stuff, if I didn't do my, went through the whole thing, right? And long story short, it was, it was the most irritating feeling. This is like looking at yourself as well. This is like analyzing yourself by like, you know, the decisions you make, like, why am I where I am? It's like, oh shit. And there's this huge confrontation. I had this moment last night and I was sitting down writing all these hours out and these like, you know, asking my team, like, how long does it really take to do this? I'm like, they're like, oh, three or four hours. I'm like, so three hours? <laughs> it's like, no, three or four. I'm like, okay. I had to sit That's down and like really yeah, yeah, to really confront it. And then this this fantasy I had about, you know, what it actually costs to run this business that I'm doing um, is really, and it was confronting. And it's like, I was just all these hours. I'm like, okay, then I need a budget for someone to come on who's extra hours so we can edit in advance. And long story short, it was this whole process to go through. And I just kept feeling the urge to be like, no, don't add that on there. That's fine. We'll sort that out later on. I'm like, oh, I just sat there and put it in. I'm like, that hurts, that hurts. But now this feeling I have, it's like that hurts, but it's like now I actually know where I am. It's clarity, right? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the numbers don't lie, which is which is good and bad as you've encountered. And it's one of those things like I'll notice myself sometimes. I'll kind of put off the accounting or I'll put off like, okay, well, how much did that really cost me? And that's even coming from someone that like is familiar with spreadsheets, the numbers, the, you know, the, the income statements, that kind of stuff. And it's tempting to do that. But if you don't know your numbers, you're, you're not going to do well, period. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you can, and this thing is, it's like, it's one of those like dragons under the bed. They're like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to really look at it because you know, you want to be yep. creating content or you want to be doing what you love. You want to be, you know, really running your business, but it's one of those aspects that you really shouldn't overlook. And I think it's one of the reasons that a lot of businesses end up failing is that it's something that's not paid attention to enough where more time and resources should be allocated to make sure you're um, really paying attention to those numbers. That's interesting that you, that you kind of sat down and you're like, man, I got to look at this, but it's important, right? It's a life thing as well, man. Like it's, yeah. it's that those hard questions you're asking yourself around and you know, like one of those questions is, and this is, I mentioned this on both the, the podcast that I went on with you guys, check out the podcast by the way, um, for, for these guys. But I, um, when I had these health issues that I was going through, you know, there's, there's, there's a natural knee jerk reaction. And I think that, you know, 90% of people have this, if not everyone of being like, um, Oh, this is happening to me. Like, Oh, like I'm suffering. Like this, this health thing is occurring to me. And, you know, on some level it really is like, if you want to get really technical, it, something is happening to you. But the question that's empowering that I asked myself is like, I really actually looked myself in the mirror quite literally and I said to myself, like, what have I done to get myself in this place of where this is, was likely to happen or it happened? And I just sat there, like I just sat there and thought, and I, you know, over the days as it naturally unfolded through contemplation, I realized that I was experiencing this health issue. And I, again, mentioned this on the podcast as well with you guys, um, that I was being arrogant. Like I wasn't trusting a person to look after my health. I was using, like, I know the answers, like this kind of, like, I'm intelligent enough to know the answers. I can figure, I can read all these books. I can do this. And as soon as I, I realized that and I let it go and I had someone who was outside of the situation, her name was, her name's Brooke. 
was it is Brooke, and she spent the next three months with me. It was in December, and she's just pointing out little things here and there. Like you know, I'm like, oh, I'm freaking out. I'm like this is not working. She's like, it'll go up and down. It's okay. It's all good. It'll go up and down. I'm like, fine, whatever. Like just being impulsive, and you know, when you're in that state, and then lo and behold, and then it comes clear, and I become better and better each week. So the the principle, like the hardest thing about business, about life, at least, you know, um, on a, on a, on a macro level is just facing reality. <laughs> like, like what have I done to get myself in this situation? Like why, uh, is my staff like overworked? It's like, cause I'm lying to myself about how long things take, you know? So facing these realities, I think that that sounds like what industrial, um, uh, uh sorry, was it industrial engineering is the easy way to put engineering. it. The yeah, yeah. Umbrella term industrial engineering. Gotcha. Yeah is is partly about right engineering being the sharp edges and and the precision as opposed to industrial art art you know it's it's the business of it so that's awesome i love that yeah no for sure um that whole confronting reality thing and and then also specifically the the psychology of like going through the ways in which you got yourself into that situation whatever that is it's it's hard to do but it's the best way to figure out like how you're going to get out of that situation. And it reminds sure. me of this, this um, uh, play by T.S. Eliot called the, the Cocktail Party. And Jordan Peterson actually brought this to my attention as he does many things. Um, but it's about essentially th- this person is getting free psychological advice from a counselor that happens to be at this party. And this person comes up to this counselor and is like, hey, I'm really struggling in my life. I'm not doing well. And I'm hoping that it's my fault. And the, mm-hmm. the psychologist looks at her and he's like, why would, why would you say that? And she's like, well, here, here's how I see it. If it's my fault, I can fix it. I'm capable of changing the reality I'm in. But if it's the world's fault, if it's someone else's, if it's just I'm misfortunate, I have no ability to really change this. And it was a fascinating perspective that she, she actually wanted it to be her fault because it's empowering then and actually allows you to, um, in a more tangible way, change your situation. And it's a complete mindset shift from what I think a lot of people will think about in that way. It's, it's a horrible process kind of to go through, how have I gotten myself in this situation? But at the same time, it's so therapeutic and necessary and it really leads to the, the true growth. So I thought that was an interesting plan. It's cool that you, that you've experienced that like seriously. It's awesome. It's, it's a natural need. Like it's for me, like, again, the initial response is always like, you know, like, let's just not look at that right now kind of thing. Yeah. But I've always, always, for me, I always come back to like, like something's going wrong here and, and something smells funny. It's like that when, when gas leaks, like you, they, they naturally put the smell in there so you could smell it, but something smells funny and you're like, oh, I can keep ignoring it. But the next thing you know, like when a, a, a match lights, it blows up the whole house because you've let the the gas leak without doing anything, you know? So it's doing a disservice to yourself, right? And um, yeah, I learned it the hard way many times over and yeah. over again. So yeah. Definitely. <clears throat> yeah, I was listening to this podcast just about an hour ago for the second time, Chris Williamson and Alex Hermosi. I don't know oh, if you've heard of one. either of those names, but either way, yeah. He was talking about how like wherever you point the finger of blame, is where you the power is placed. Like if you blame someone else for your problems, you've now given them all the power because 
you. If you blame yourself and point the finger, you now are responsible for changing and you actually have given yourself the power. But it's like, oh, it's my spouse's fault. Oh, it's it's the government's fault. Nope, the government now has all the power over you. And it's like <laughs> the power of looking introspectively at yourself and blaming yourself and pointing the finger towards you because you're responsible for you. So that was pretty interesting. Yeah, well, it's it's, and I think it goes even deeper than that. Like you can't, it's not even like a like, oh, I'm actively blaming someone. It's like, where am I unconsciously, actively, uh, inactively perhaps, or actively rather, blaming other people? Like where am I doing that? Because like you actually have to uncover it and it needs to be like a conscious process. And the more I talk about it now, I'm like I'm realizing small things that I'm where I'm doing that. And I feel like a lot of the friction in one's life, and I'm speaking for myself here, but I think it applies to a lot of people, is that unconscious blaming or that unconscious like that person did something to me and they ought to fix it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna withhold certain emotions or feelings or experiences from them. So they order, they perk up and they fix it, you know? And I think if you really look at it, it's like that happens a lot with a lot of people. That's where resentment really comes from, you know? Um, and yeah. again, it's also like resentment's a defense mechanism in my opinion, like it's a defense of like, hey, I won't stand for this. So it's a healthy emotion in the sense that like I'm not okay with this and there's resentment there and I'm okay with it being there, which is a conscious acknowledgement of it. But I think also at the same time, if you look deep in that resentment, there are uh, strings of um, uh, this person needs to do something for me to be okay. So it's like, where are you not taking radical responsibility? Hmm. Yeah. It reminded me when, when you're talking about like the unconscious, it reminded me of um, Socrates because his, his famous dictum, his famous quote was an unexamined life is not worth living. So he was all about, so good. yeah, I mean, he was all about just introspective, like, man, what are my motivations here? Why am I doing this? How much am I blaming other people for things? Kind of as you're hinting at. And reading reading Socrates, I mean, he's a highly recommend his writings. Um, he's incredible. a G. Yeah, he's, he's top G. Uh, great guy. But um, <laughs> the original top G. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, really. Like he's he's basically the first. So, um, but yeah, that that quote stood out to me, and it's just it's in that same line of thinking, like you know, questioning your motivations and and then resentment too. I, that's a it's a big box, so mm. quite, quite a big box, that one. But but one thing that it does is if you can learn to pay attention to when you're getting resentful, it's normally an indication that something needs to be done. So because resentment, no, normally a conversation needs to be had or you need to say something or you need to do something because resentment can grow and then it can turn into something not good. Um, um, so like using it as a signal – for change or using it as a signal for like, okay, maybe I need to update something here. That's kind of, that's kind of how I look at it. Because if it, if you allow it to fester, it can get pretty dark. So I don't know. That's just my two cents, but yeah. yeah it's, like, it's like the, go yeah, for go it. Go ahead. That? Oh, yours. Uh? <laughs> the power of like remote uh, slap. Yeah. 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 yeah that, like the tiny little lizard will soon turn into the giant dragon, more archetypal Petersonian language. But yeah, it's like yeah. Petersonian. If you don't, if you don't slice <laughs> it that. at the head right away, it's gonna it's gonna grow. And so I totally agree. And honestly, like the times in my life where I feel resentful at someone, like I I almost don't trust myself fully. Like mm. like in like like I'm trying to imagine like if I'm really resentful at someone, it's like if an emergency were to occur, I almost don't fully trust myself. I'm not like I don't know. I, my words and actions might not align in an emergency. Like I, 
I don't know. I might do something that I regret because I have all this pent up emotion and like, I don't want to explode. And so like, yeah, the capacity for me to do something horrible, I'm, I'm aware of, but when I'm really resentful, like I noticed that that could be way, way worse. And so I'm not the, always the best at like flushing out resentment, but I guess living with you, Nate, it's like we've had like mm. a ton of experience living with each other and kind of just explaining like, yo, you did this wrong or I, I feel annoyed at this or, you know, <laughs> we meant it. It's occasional when we have to, but we, I, I think I've learned that just living with you for like five years, four years, you know. Yeah. And we, we've had this, helpful. yeah, we've had this rule, which has been very useful and it was kind of a mm. um, implicit rule before it was explicit. But I remember when we moved into uh, college together, I, I kind of said it explicitly. It was it was basically like we're going to always tell each other the truth, like even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's like, man, I don't want to hear this right now. We're going to tr- do that to the best of our ability. Try, we're going to try you know. and do that. Yeah. And you know, we're going to fail, of course. And there's going to be times where it's like, you know, well, I don't always know what the truth is. Like, man, I have all these emotions. I don't know if this is, but I remember one time just for the for comical sake. I remember I was trying to go to sleep. I was like, man. I just can't sleep. And I remember coming up upstairs and being like, all right, look, dog, I think I'm mad at you for something. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think we, I, I, yeah. And we, you know, we hashed it out and, you know, I said, yeah. yeah, sorry, I'm stupid. And I think you said, yeah, sorry, I'm an idiot. And then we, you know, went our merry ways. But, you know, it's so, it's so huge. And, you know, in any relationship, whether it's romantic or just personal or, you know, roommate, whatever, that communication factor and that, that rule of like, we're going to tell the truth. I mean, man, dude, that served me. That served me well. So, yeah, and it's also uncovering the truth as well. Like the the truth exists, but it's like how far down mm. is it? You know, mm. because sometimes yeah, because you don't always some, know. Yeah, something's yeah. off. You're like, I, I know it's off. You know, and like you said, there's a telltale sign of you know I can't sleep. But sometimes you just don't know, and you're so used to living in condition. It's like I love that. It's like, hey, I'm pissed off at you, man. It's like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Then you start talking about it, and something inevitably comes up. So even when you think there's nothing, like if you talk about it. And it's like, and it might sound uh, cliche or a bit lame, but like it really opens your heart to people and, you know, that capacity to just to, to bring it up and, you know, and, and just say, hey, like, I, I don't, I'm, something annoys me about you, but I don't know what it is. It's like, and holding space for that. And I don't like the word holding space because it's very spiritual-esque, but holding space for that being like, you know, like, yeah, let's chat about it. And that natural trigger of like wanting to defend yourself, like, no, no, no like here's what actually happened. No, no, come on. Like, let me, let me show you why I am like, like it's fine. Like here's this, here's that, here's this. And like watching that thought process, like um, I had a conversation about two weeks ago where someone um, brought something up to me, like accused me of something. And I'm sitting there in the conversation and I'm like, every part of me is just like, I'm not responsible for your emotions. I'm not responsible for your emotions. I just wanted to say it really badly. Rather than that, I'm just like, cool. Okay. So what does that mean for you? And then I just kept asking questions. Then towards the end, the conversation, I just let, and the questions aren't for them. It's for me actually to like, to create space. It's not like, uh, it was two, right? It's both, but I'm creating space for myself. And then towards the end of the conversation, we came full circle and we realized that there was something going on for that person. That was, um, how would you put it? Um, they'd felt X way. And in the end that led them to believe that I was uh, actively trying to do something against them when I wasn't like, it wasn't even on my conscious thought process. Now we can get down the whole path of like, well, everyone has a dark side and like, maybe you were, it's like, but in that conversation, you know, that was, that was the reality of it. So, you know, managing that conversation and also on top of that as well, like speaking of, and I'm just going 
you know, um, all of the players here, but let's just flow with it. You mentioned always being truthful. What I see with truth, right? Um, what I see is more important than, than telling the truth is letting go of managing perception, right? That's been a hard one for me this last six months. It's like six months, like where am I telling the truth, but I'm telling you in such a way that makes me look a certain way. Mm. Right. Like, okay. yeah. Or I was just going to say, or go for it. Go. Well, it, I'll quickly let you expand upon that, but then it's like, yeah, you're saying something that might be like factually true or like something that might be as true about myself. I'm doing this, but within the wrong environment or the tone in which you say it or the way in which you say it, it can be wielding it as a, you know, as an ego tool, as, you know, something other than, truth motivated by love you know because there's that love component too of like i want the best for you and you want the best for me we don't want to just clobber each other with truth you know if i went up to harley and he's pissing me off i'm like actually i think you're horrible you know like it that (laughs) i might think that at the time but that's a you know it's a horrible use of even my my true emotion at the time so i Mm. kind of cut you off there but i wanted wanted to point that out so yeah keep, keep going yeah, that's the more the emotive function of it in the sense of like rather than like you're like you're making me feel this like hey I'm experiencing this feeling right now, and mm. so there's there's an old um, uh, acronym called state S T A T E right how it's regularly spelled, and it's a way you approach conflict and um, it's part of the the book Criti- uh, crucial conversations, and the first part of that is you st- you state the facts, like so a fact is you said X right mm. you said X. Then you tell the feeling, S, T, tell the feeling. Um, that made me feel X, Y, Z. Like, uh, that made me feel this way. So you said X, that made me feel X, Y, Z. So let's have an example. You said you do the dishes. You didn't do them. That made me feel unseen, you know? And then the A is asking for their story. Like, what was your story? Like, what do you feel about that? I might actually pull that up and show people, but I'll do it sure. after I explain this. But Long story short, um, when that's the emotive function, right? But what I'm talking about, like as a man, right? Um, one of our, I guess you say biological drivers is status. Like we do certain things for status and that's what makes us attractive. So it's very easy to um, bend the words or bend sayings or bend, you know, perhaps who you are as a person to facilitate the growth of one's status. Um, and that's what I'm referring to more specifically. It's like, hey, um, uh, mm. like, like, oh, uh, not that anyone asks what your income is. Like, what's your income? And like, maybe you add in things like <laughs> uh, tax refund, for example, or something like that. That's my income as well. Like, you, that's the truth, but it's not the truth, if that makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to to say, like, because you mentioned, you know, always telling the truth. What I find more difficult is being truthful, being high fidelity being able to speak directly to who you are integrity which is your thoughts words and actions are aligned to me that's a harder thing to do than telling the truth because telling the truth and perhaps this is even a deeper question is the truth the truth in the sense of like it exists regardless of you or is the truth something that you speak and you determine and if it's something you determine it's like are you speaking to what the external truth is in that determination um and that's where i I am talking about managing perceptions. I know it's a bit complicated, but with the managing perception part, for me, it's really important to like pause and be like, 
like, you know, what, what do you do for work? Oh, I work at Macca's. It's like, it's cool. It's fine. So that's what I was speaking to about the, the managing perception part. Okay. Okay. Harley, There's a whole, whole lot there. Like, yeah, I bet. I, Harley, do you have anything or I'll expand on something? Go uh, the word gnosis. I don't know. It's it's another box, but it's along the similar lines. I don't know if you've heard of that. Gnosis. No, G-N-O-S-I-S. No. It's like the Greek Shit. root word is like knowledge, but it's kind of like that feeling or smell or like that, you know, you know, you can almost feel when someone lies to you or you can almost feel when there's resentment in the air. You can, it's that smell factor mm. that you were talking about, that gas leak. Like I don't gas. know. It's just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just a word that I, I heard recently in one of my pods. And so I was like, huh, interesting mm. gnosis. And I've been kind of like looking at it. I GPT'd it just now. And it was kind of like, GPT'd. Like religious or GPT'd. philosophical <laughs> insights. It can, you know, it can kind of seem like a spiritual or mystical situation, but yeah, I, I got it here on the screen. Kind of like uh, Gnosticism is, is like another oh, is it, word that comes out of it. Is it G or is G-N-O-S-I-S? Yeah, oh, I've seen this. Yeah, yeah. Knowledge of spiritual mysteries. I mean, that's just yeah. one. Which, I love like, how they you give could the, say spiritual, like, but that's great. Yeah, yeah. the roots are interesting. Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, that's all I was pretty much going to say, but it's like you can almost like sometimes you feel like a message or maybe not a message, but you can feel the feeling something is going really wrong. Typically, I think I can, you can normally notice when something's going wrong. Like, like you can't sleep. I'm feeling this way. There's some kind of knowledge that I have, or and I is feel like the truth? that may, maybe it could be it. Maybe it's the truth. Mm. You were, you were kind of trying to like split the truth up into two ways that I kind of already lost. And like, I was kind of confused, but like, it might be one of those. <laughs> I don't mm. know. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's tricky stuff. The, the point, the point you made about, I mean, I mean, we could talk about truth for like an hour, which which we could. But um, <laughs> the point you made, um, the difference between like integrity and telling the truth, and how I mean, they're they're both interlinked. Mm. But you're you're you brought him an interesting point, which is, you know, the integration of your character, whether or not what you say and what you do are in alignment, and this alignment yeah. thing is almost harder than just telling the truth in and of itself it's like the truth and 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 truthful speech has to be nested within your individual moral character and whether or not you're an integrated um integrated uh whether you're a person of integrity and that makes it you 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 commented on this it's like a whole nother level it's almost like a a meta level where it's not just what you say it's within the context of who you are and that does add another domain to it because again you could say something factually true um but you could say it in such a way that was egotistical um wielding mm. it as a weapon you know let you could in a in an argument with someone i'm just kind of going on a limb here but like in an argument with someone like i mentioned harley or about harley like you can bash someone with black truth with truths that like are not using them towards the good they're using them in a way, black truths. Yeah, and different people have different definitions of this word, black truth. Um, the way that I look at it, at least the way that I, I would define it, is when you're the broad way would be like wielding truth as a weapon, like when you're saying something that technically like is is true, but is not what someone needs to hear at that time. So 
it's you could imagine a a negotiation with your significant other in an argument. And you could imagine like, okay, I could rip them a new one. I could tell them all the horrible different things that I think about them in this individual moment emotionally. And that might be true emotionally, but that's not going to be productive for the conversation and actually conflict resolution as a whole. And in some ways that's wielding your emotional truth as a weapon. That's not an integrated way to do so. Um, so like that, that's kind of how I would – how I would look at that concept of, of black truth. I don't know if that made sense. Maybe kind of like the sense. opposite of a white lie. Maybe that's why the word black was thrown in there. Kind of yeah. like how a, a, sometimes lies can sometimes be effective and useful, even though you're, you might be lying. It's a white lie versus a black truth. Maybe that's where the word black comes from. That's just a guess. I, th I think it's, yeah, I think it's like, if it's a white lie, it's a lie in the service of the good, let's say. Versus yeah, yeah. if it's a black truth, it's a truth in service of, your motive, like you're the bad, like you're just mm -hmm. you're you're not you're not aiming at the good when you when you articulate whatever you're saying. If it's a black truth, there's one distinction. So yeah, well, I think that's um that's a question of like you can't live inside of a a logical box in life. Like there's you know science wouldn't exist inside that box. And what I mean by that is like you need the mystical, you need the faith, you need the the messiness of um, the, the the wiggly reality, as opposed to the sharp reality, so to speak, in a you know in a in a feeling texture kind of way, to discover like what the truths are. So I think that you know there's so many like little things embedded in this, and we can unpack them. But there's a difference between truth and integrity, and I think also on top of that as well, you need to be able to explore and let yourself let go. And this could be a stretch here of um, that kind of rigid feeling of morality. Now. What I mean by that is like morality is, and I'm, and I'm purely like, I haven't explored this very much and I'm just going to do it right now, right here. But mm -hmm. like, um, I have a, a mentor who I see every single week who, um, is a body psychotherapist. Right. And the reason I'm seeing him is because a lot of the psychology works are very heady, you know, they're very, um, like changing your mind, mindset, CBT, that kind of thing. And, and what we do is more body based in the sense of like, for me, like my characterology and whether or not there's a science to this or not is, is irrelevant at this point in time is rigidity, meaning that I think from the head and everything's got to yep. fit into a box and that colors my reality, right? For better or worse in positive ways and hence the light and the dark and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that, that my uh, mentor goes through um, is he, he will actively try to break my rigidity by challenging beliefs in my reality like so for example like i have a conversation like i need to do the right thing here i need to do this 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 he goes no you don't because morality will kill you and i'm like what and he goes you're holding on to morality so much that it's actually blinding you from your your natural uh in my words your natural reflex of what you do and don't want so before you band-aid the solution with what's right and wrong you ought to let it gush for a bit to see what color the blood is Right. Mm. That's the metaphor I just made up then. But um uh. so that was his approach, right? So um and and this is what I find, you know, and I've I've thought about this for a long time. You know, I watched the debates with Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson. And I see where and I, I didn't agree with Jordan Peterson for a long time. And I'm like, a long time, I mean for a few months, because I didn't really give it any light. But Sam Harris is like trying to Again, very, very like broad. I'm being very broad here and I'm, I'm happy to be challenged on it. But for me, the feeling I get from him, the feeling, right, is that 
he's trying to define reality through this box, like everything has a box. And just because we don't know the box yet of what this thing fits into, then we we shouldn't use religion or other things to then fill those boxes up. And then Jordan Peterson's argument is that we need the mystical, the faith-based stuff in order to get to that point because no matter what, there's always going to be room for ambiguity, right? Um, so, yeah, I think that, you know, in that whole thing about truth and managing perceptions, all these things, we can speak about what's moral and what's right. At the end of the day, how do you know what who you really are if you don't pay attention to the natural reflexes of what it is to be human? Sure. Yeah, no, that's a... I can think of 10 different ways we could go there or down 10, <laughs> 10 different roads. No. And the, the, what's really important to summarize what you said is it's complicated. No, uh, but like, <laughs> no, it is though. And, and you're pointing it out is. that like morality, integrity, um, truthful speech, it's all nested within human nature. And the fact that we are, we're messy. And I think you used the term wiggly, which I thought was great. Um, <laughs> but we're, you know, we're not, we're not perfect. We're limited and we're going to make mistakes and our perceptions are tricky. And some of us are wired more intellectually and more heady. I think you and I are similar in that way. Um, and some of us are wired more emotionally and more, uh, they make decisions from the gut. And all of those differences play in to our perceptions and it's it, it creates this fascinating problem of trying to navigate that with other people and in the moral dimension it becomes even more tricky so i know harley i know you would probably say and we've talked about this before you're probably more heart than head than i am for instance and that even yeah, affects the way 50 50 for me instead of like yeah. 80 20 or whatever the <laughs> number might be Maybe maybe I'm 60, 40. 90, I don't know. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, it's kind of funny. We just had we just drove oh, two and a half yeah. hours over to Detroit to do a in real life podcast with two other guys. Epic. This Today? guy named uh it was like last week, Wednesday, so six days ago. Mm-hmm. And this guy named Jarrett, I happened to find him through I guess a musical artist named Mike. He has a podcast. I've connected with him. I've met him twice now, but either way, he is like probably 95% go with the soul. Don't think. <laughs> Why are you thinking? Just go. Just take the Let jump. Go. Take the leap. He's like huge into the spirituality. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. feel it in your heart. I know those types. And I'm just kind of like, I yep. hear it and I'm like, I resonate somewhat, but I still have to think about it. And he's just, it was crazy because the two of them were kind of more gut oriented and we were more yeah. head oriented like they were talking they love terrence yeah. mckenna and I hear you, man. I hear you. a few other people and we they were kind of saying i don't ever like listening to peterson it's too much head <laughs> it's <was just> crazy <laughs> to like see the difference but yeah and i, no. I secretly have i think well not secretly now because i'm going to say it but um there's a bit of resentment for me like when it comes to those kind of people when they try to bring in the, the wiggly into reality and subject reality based on that. When I feel, I'm just realizing this now, like for me, like, um, so when someone like say star signs or, you know, astrology and things like that. And, and, and what's another example? Like, yeah, my intuition is telling me this, like, and, and the, I don't mind someone having intuition or believing in random things, whatever. But when someone tries to subject me to those non-factual beliefs, it really bothers me sometimes. 
So when you're saying that, the first thing that came to mind is like, so I, there's a spiritual community, the spiritual community is all around the world, right? There's there's one in Sydney. And this this crowd for me, like, um, rather than being like, hey, like, you said this and it made me feel like, again, I'll pull this up now actually because it's coming back to that. It's interesting how conversations come full yeah. circle. But um, mm-hmm. so rather than like sharing their facts of like, hey, uh, you looked at me, or like that's not a fact. Well, you said this to me. And really hurt my feelings, right? Uh, hurt my feelings. Uh, what's your story, you know? And encouraging testing. So rather than doing that, my experience with with these wiggly types, um, that they're people that, that, that with the wiggly personality is, they will feel something like, "Yeah, I'm feeling an off energy from you, man. I'm feeling this from you, man." And it's like oh. they will they'll make that reality when it's not factual. And I've had that happen mm-hmm. to me so many times. Like I had one guy at one point. I didn't think he's mentally well, but he was, I was at this like, um, this uh, event, this, this quote unquote spiritual event in, in Sydney about a, six months ago. And he came up to me and, um, he's like, I know, like, I know, I don't know what the accusation was. I forget now, but like, I went to go hug him. Like, cause as far as I knew, we'll fine. I went to go hug him. And then he's like, no, don't touch me. Cause I, I know, like, I know what you're doing. I know what this is going on. Like you're doing this and, and this and this. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, what? And I, for me, it was so far in my reality. And I'm sitting there trying to have a conversation. I'm like, so what? He goes, I can feel your energy, man. Your energy's off. And I'm like, are you sure that's not you feeling your own energy and then project that onto me? And he's like, no, no, your energy's off. Your energy's off. Da, da, da. I'm like, okay, can you tell me what I've factually like done? Like, because no, no, it's off. Like, I'm like, honestly, and he's ucking up at me, like going off at me. And I'm like, honestly, like this conversation isn't going anywhere if you can't get to the actual situation of what's going on and express to me the specifics because right now you're just feeling and that's fine, but I'm not going to sit here and have this conversation with you around this. So um, I don't know where I was going with that, but long story short, like that's been an experience for me in the, the spiritual space. And that's why I really dislike that, that feeling of like, I'm going to force my reality onto you, this wiggly reality that isn't objectively real. <laughs> it's like, you want me to hold that for you and it just feels off sometimes. So yeah. Man, that's an interesting experience. Like, how do you, how do you respond to that? Yeah, because you can't even. You just, it's like you're speaking different languages almost. Like, you can't really have a conversation then. And if you can't, you know, if they're imbuing you with certain things and then they're not able to explain it, and you're like, what? It just, it, it, it's kind of a conversation killer because you can't even establish a reality that you both agree upon. So even if they said like, hey, like, you know what? Um, I'm really emotional right now. And what I'm going to say mm. is like all over the place. Mm. There needs like there needs to be a yin and yang of that like- That would be good. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, yeah. I'm messed up right now, but I'm just going to ex- express how I feel. Is that okay with you? Yeah, go for it. Cool. I could have just sat there and listened to it, right? But I think yeah. that's the yin and the yang, right? It's like you need to have, because we all have emotions, right? And people, I think who, I'll just speak for myself here, like are very heady based. It's very easy to just turn your emotions off. It's almost like you're, like you have this skill of like to turn off because you just go straight into your head. So that situation, I just turned off. I'm like, cool. So then I became more heady. It's just like boom, boom, boom. Whereas if I wanted to be like a real swinging human being, so to speak, I might play the dual- dualistic approach, which is like, I'm going to become really emotional as well. Like, oh, how dare you? Da, 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 da. Like I just escalate oh, the situation to the point of like, yeah. Do you, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? There's, an, there's mm-hmm. a, a chess match of, and it's so funny that I say chess match because it's a very heady thing to say. It's like there's a dance, right? There's a dance of energy that that needs to happen, and it's like sometimes when you're so heady, you can you tend to attract those wiggly types who almost like they're a shadow, like they they want to dance with you and like 
blah, blah. Mm. Then you're like, no, da, da, da. They're like, da, 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 da. it's like this weird kind of gunfire showdown or something. So, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I can really, I really resonate with this. Please tell like, us what's your experience has been. Oh, yeah, go. Literally, this Jarrett guy, yeah. like, he opened up this <laughs> dang box because I met him and he would like, he would just, throw stuff at me like like that didn't make that much sense but he could feel like i could feel like he could feel whatever he was saying even though he couldn't have any evidence i don't know just the other day he was like i just i don't even resonate with your stuff anymore harley it's like you're not even real anymore and i was like he's like this, is someone else doing your content and i was like actually yes <laughs> he's like oh i can tell because i it's just not you or you know he could feel can that. I just add something like, quickly? interesting yeah 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 this, and this is my my crux of the, the issue for me. Just quickly, I'll, just, and I'll let you carry mm. on. Mm. Is that when when they they like, let's say I am different, and okay, so I am different. I do have someone editing my content. It is different. The the graphics that pop on the screen are different. And oh no! I, <laughs> so what's what's your point? It's like it's almost like there's if something is different and it's not who they think. It's like this weird indirect way of saying. You're not who I think you should be, and it's making me uncomfortable. The uncertainty of who I think you actually are is making Damn. me uncomfortable. Please go back to that previous version, and then there's all a bucket of emotions. Like, is it envy? Is it you know? Uh -huh. I had that haste before where someone's like, "You have dark humor coming from a dark place." And I'm like, "Oh, really? Okay, fair enough." Two months later, I was actually envious. So there's a whole kettle of fish there as well. But please carry on. <laughs> Either way, kettle of fish. That's a new one, but yeah, I like it. Yeah, Australian's good. Yeah, that's good. Either way, you get some water. I'm, I'm listening though. No, yeah, I met this Jarrett guy, and then I just went through his entire Instagram and found all these like six, seven, maybe twelve other people I interviewed, and they all reminded me of a similar like. I'm speaking from the heart. It's my truth at the moment. You can disprove it with science, but it's how I'm feeling right now. So it is true, technically speaking, in my own soul or that kind of like vibe. <laughs> yeah. This And then oh. I just, I'm thinking like, hmm, interesting. I could see how some of it can resonate with me, but like, I still like, I like to have some reality or some factual evidence or I don't know. I, either way, if I wouldn't have ever opened that box, I feel like I wouldn't have even realized that there was a people out there that are more <laughs> <people>. soul oriented <laughs> <laughs> because of it. Now I'm more like, I don't know, slightly open-minded and maybe slightly more, I don't know, maybe they've rubbed off on me slightly, but either way, I just, I used to be like insanely critical, like hearing someone like, what are you talking about? But like, sometimes I'm just mm. like, well, I don't even know if it's worth questioning. Cause I don't even know if they have a full answer behind it. They're just kind of feeling it and saying it, or I, I don't know, but it's hard to tell with some people, like some people, you know, like you can dive into the exact reasons on why they're saying what they're saying. And it's like very rigid and structured and other people very wiggly using your language. It's just, it's interesting. The differences in people. And it's also like a case of coming back full circle with the Alex Hermosi and Chris Williamson podcast in that one, like they're saying, pointing to this direction, like that's what it is. It's almost like do, if I'm that person, I'm very like rigidy in a way. I need to surround myself with those kind of people to A, understand them and B, mm. there's, there's something there, right? There's always there something that we're missing. And like, there is something oh, yeah. there that someone who is very logical needs, like it, let's throw like a physicist or like a, you know, like a mathematician, full-time mathematician in that field. 
they're gonna be like oh what uh, maybe who knows but they need that because it, like it bounces you out right <laughs> yeah it's true yeah i remember i don't mean to keep bringing it back to the sky oh, but like going, i showed nate this account of soul of jared is the account oh, yeah. like when I met him, he had like 4,000 followers. Yeah, let me, if you want, I'll pull it up yeah, for please. you or you pull it please. up. Yeah, whatever. Let's I know just, this person. Like, I've heard of him before. Okay, you've heard of him. Interesting. But either way, yeah. it's like, I think he appeals to a specific audience of like... I know the audience. I know the one you're talking about. It's like the universe. <laughs> the first one. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I've seen this guy before. I think I... Maybe for your page or something? You know, that's it. You know, it's just like all these like, I don't know, like I feel it in my soul. It's not like a, he's not scientific whatsoever, but like he it's resonates very, very with feminine. tons of people. Yeah. And I, he said the majority of his audience is feminine or, or females. And I was like, how strange? Because like 95% of my audience seems to be males. And it's just yeah, it's right. crazy to see the difference. But I'm like 46,000 followers. I'm like, not bad, Jared. Forty-one. Bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah. Forty-one thousand. Yeah, but either way, that's about it. I'll stop sharing. <laughs> oh, you're good. Like... It was an. It was interesting to uh, meet meet a person, at least for me, that was like on the opposite end of the the spectrum in terms of the whole head heart distinction that we just made. Like, we were very two very different creatures. Now, you know, we got along great. And, you know, of course, we're not trying to disparage him at all. But it is interesting to notice that difference of like, wow, okay, this this human exists and they're not like me at all. And we speak different languages, but you can still connect. And there's always the interesting point of like, you're always missing something and you always have something to learn. So talking to people that are radically different from you or just that look at things differently can be really useful. So I, I think, it, I think that's great as far as I'm concerned, but the point that you made, Luke is, is I think part of your point is like, that's great. But if you're approaching the conversation from two different like perspectives or even like if, if they just imbue you with a certain reality or certain truth and then aren't willing to explain it or aren't willing to like, you know, unpack it, then it's like, I can't, I can't then have a conversation with you. So there's that danger of if, if it, if the conversation is had in the, in the correct manner of like, okay, we're both just to make a joke I make. We're both just apes with consciousness here. Let's uh, <laughs> let's let you know. Let's try and figure this out. If it's done in that way, then it can be really good and productive. But if it's like, well, no, I just I'm feeling this, and that's who you are, and I know that, and like that's just that's how I'm feeling this right now. Then there just isn't, I don't know, there isn't much to go off of there. So it's like it's pseudo awareness, in my opinion, in the sense that like if you were to inquire a bit deeper, you'd see that we have biases, right? We have ways of seeing the world that aren't hundred percent accurate, you oh, know, yeah. like, so like intuition is great. I think we should definitely learn to listen to our intuition, but we should have intuition and be critical of the intuition as well. It's like a process it goes through. And what I'm seeing there is just like, uh, you know, this unlimited stream of consciousness that isn't filtered by any uh, logic, right? And you need to use your logic like you need to use your intuition. You need to have both tools in your toolkit, in your proverbial toolkit. And it's when like, I feel this and therefore it's reality as opposed to I feel this. Could I be envious? Could I have confirmation bias 
could I be experiencing an availability heuristic? You know, there's all these different factors that contribute to way we, ways we think because we are human and we need conveniences in our brain. If we had a limited stream of consciousness in the sense of like knowing all data that came through our mind, we wouldn't be able to function. So there is that inherent in us. And it's when someone isn't willing to acknowledge that or rather um, doesn't even acknowledge to acknowledge that. <laughs> They're meta acknowledgement of it. So yeah. yeah the meta. <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like, um, yeah, in this community, like there's there and it's so funny because I'm there at those events and I'm like, there's something there for me, right? And I'm there at this event and they're like all meditators, all like it's my ayahuasca last weekend, da-da, like all this kind of stuff. And for me, I'm just this like really logical person and I'm having to like let go of that because they're not I'm not I don't make sense to them. Like I'm like like, oh, I see this happens. So like, oh, yeah, cool. Da, 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 da. Like, whoa. Like, <laughs> so I'm just having to let go. Like, and I'm doing like static dancing and like just releasing my body and fl- all this weird, you know, not weird, but all this interesting stuff. Um, and it just puts me in this another dimension. So, yeah. No, it's cool. Like, going outside your comfort zone in that, in that environment's huge. Um, it opens up parts of you that you didn't really know existed. And one thing I've always kind of, I don't know if I've necessarily scoffed at meditation. But like it's kind of Ooh, like meditation, yeah. Like it, it. I don't know. I feel like it was imbued with a certain amount of like weirdness associated with the term for me for so long that I was just like, all right, I'm just not even gonna try this out. You know, it was almost like it was relegated to weird people that smoke too much weed. You know, that kind of thing. But then I think when I heard from Sam Harris, like when he described. His he's a whole meditation app. And yeah, I use it every morning. Yeah, he's he just went huge down that rabbit hole. And hearing from him talk about it has been fascinating. And I will admit I have not dived into it as much as I need to, but it's um it's one of those things where someone someone as heady as Sam Harris. I mean, he's like the definition of like pure just <laughs> yeah. intellect, rationality, logical all the way down. Until yep. Peterson pokes him a little bit, but uh, yeah. beyond that, it uh, to hear him go so far down the the meditation train and even the yeah, just that's so that's so fascinating to me. So there's so much to yeah. learn. A lot to there learn. is, and I wanted to ask you guys, what is um, some of the things you guys are tackling with at the moment? From you know, it could be a, a theory, it could be something mm. that you've learned recently. Like, what is what's on your consciousness right now? Or you know, as of recently. Mm. I got something, Harley, if you don't. Go in, go in. Okay. So so this this gets fairly personal, but that's good because that means it's more real in a sense. Um so right now I'm in so I'm actually getting a minor in philosophy at at uh, at Western at university. And I'm I like philosophy. I do. But one of the problems is is that you read all of these incredibly smart, you know, effectively geniuses of their time, and they all have very convincing arguments. And a lot of them are not commensurate arguments. They are arguments that directly contradict each other slash cannot be um, – they're mutually exclusive. So one of the problems that you encounter when you come from a – well, fundamentalistic religious household like I did is this problem of 
where do your own beliefs stop? And then how much of your own beliefs have been influenced by your parents' beliefs and your culture's beliefs and your community's beliefs? How much of what you think is really you and how much of the influence from your your culture, your family is good and necessary? Like, you know, how much should we keep and how much should we update, get rid of, all those kind of things. And I mean, I think this is more of a process that you, that, that most people in their 20s go through. So I don't know if it's necessarily overly unique to me, but I'm also the person that is so heady that I feel like I have to have everything figured out, especially yep. in the religious domain. So one of the issues that I'm encountering is I may be oversaturated in material such that it's almost having a paralyzing effect where it's too much information and too many different thinkers that for someone like me that really struggles to like live in, like have a version of reality that I can get behind and not be freaked out by, which sounds a little, little strange, but to be constantly poked at my fundamental axioms, um, it's a Peterson term, poking people in the axioms. That's what I was referring to with Sam Harris. Um, mm. But to be constantly doing that, it's, it's a bit bit too chaotic for me and I'm someone that likes order. So I'm trying to deal with the problem of too much information, information that's useful and good, but too much at one time that you're not able to unpack isn't. So that's just something on my mind recently is you can actually overdo that. And I'm wondering if perhaps I'm dabbling in that. So I, I wonder if, um, is it, the information itself that's overloading or is it rather um yeah we i think you mentioned it there pretty much which was that there's too many conflicting challenging beliefs that are that are, that are challenging your your infrastructure right yeah so it's it's not that you know I've, I've consumed a lot of information at once i think it's the gravity of the information in terms of like mm. how deep the philosophical claims go yeah and yeah. then and just how complicated it is and how dense it is Mm. That, so so it's yeah. So it's both the fact that there's some contradictory things. There's different thinkers from different sides, but it's also just the depth of the information mm. um, that the you're you're getting into. You know the fundamental questions about reality, and that's good. But it's you can overdo it, and you can end yeah. up in too much chaos. And a lot of people, though, the, you know, the the flip side of this is a lot of people just don't even do it at all. So it's an interesting it's an interesting balance between I'm challenging my belief structures, I'm investigating this more, but I don't want to fall off a cliff. So I think it's good though. It's a good process. Mm, almost like you need to microdose the philosophy as opposed to macrodosing it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. There's a good good way to distinguish it. So yeah, that's that's what's going on for me. What about you, Harles? Yeah, it's interesting, Nate. I I felt the same thing do taking the philosophy. I feel like a little bit slower might be the best. The microdose, as Luke said. Yeah, that's true. Mm. But I guess the thing I'm wrestling with is a personal thing as well, which is I uh, I work with my mom. And it's mm. an interesting dual yeah. relationship slash triple relationship I have with her, which is wow. uh, she's my boss slash colleague. And then also she's my mom. But I'm 22. And then she's also my friend. And it's an interesting, like, hmm, how, you know, I, what I've actually gone to counseling recently with her and just about it. And 
actually figured out some interesting strategies of like, well, so we would communicate through text, but then like the text would be, Hey, nice to see you, son. I love you. Oh, can you make sure to do this and this and this? Oh, emergency. We've got to make sure to take care of this. Oh, here's a picture of the dogs. But And then maybe I'm like kind of overdoing it. But like, you know, it would just be personal work, personal work, personal work, blah, 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 blah. And jumping from that to that was just honestly kind of insane. So then past five months, maybe I've given her like specific time blocks. Like, okay, during this block, it's work only. During this block, it's personal and it's made it a little bit better and she's respected it quite a bit. And But mm. then we came up with another strategy, which is how about instead of texting me work, how about you email my work email, any work-related instance? If it's a huge emergency, you can call me. But like, I don't want to see texts from mom and it all be work. Like I even changed the contact name to Kelly Sealbinder, my mom's name, because I just... Yeah. I would like, it just, honestly, it's just truly a weird place to be. Like, I'm unbelievably grateful. I have a flexible, well-paying job that allows me to really funnel a lot of resources and time into this podcast and into school and whatnot. It's like, it's taught me so much about business, so much. And so it's like, honestly, gr really great. But there's just negative consequences of like, I, my relationship with my mom was like, almost a, a relationship that I didn't even want, like a, a relate, like I just didn't want it, even though I should want it. Cause she's pretty great overall, caring, loving, whatever. So like, I actually went to counseling with her and just me and her and a counselor. And he explained this interesting analogy, which is, I found pretty interesting. So there's a book called uh, men are like waffles and women are like spaghetti. And <laughs> I like Nate's face. It's hilarious. Funny. Oh, but either way, man. so women have like 10 times as many connections between the right and left hemispheres of their brain. So that like men have, I don't know the exact number, but the example was 60 and 600 connections. Men have way less, women have way more. And Interesting. so for, for men, mm -hmm. like when they're actually trying to think of things through different topics or like one topic to another topic to another topic. It's like, you don't do it as quickly as a woman might. Women are actually technically better at multitasking. Like men, when they're trying to absorb information of different topics, it's like syrup going over a waffle. Like, okay, you're jumping from one <laughs> section. Okay. And it takes a little bit of energy to jump to the next and then more energy to jump to the next. And as I was huh. jumping from work to personal to work to personal to work, it would be exhausting. And I would actually get very frustrated. Like, oh, we were just, I thought we were just trying to have a meal of personal and now we're jumping to work. And now it, it, it's just, whereas women are like spaghetti, that's kind of more interconnected. Like they can easily jump back and forth without as much of an effort required. And honestly, that's been like the past week, my mom is like, kind of took that to heart and like is like we're going to talk only personal we're not going to mention work whatsoever and like she's done that and it's been like i'm like oh i actually being i actually like like being around you and so it was it was really that's what i'm wrestling with and i see an optimistic end but man it that's what i've been working through well it comes back to that age old question like can you do business with family with friends can you mix them together you know, like I've had some own experiences with that. And, you know, the, uh, uh, a wiggly person might say in the context of this conversation, you should have boundaries, man. You have boundaries, you know, 
I just put a boundary up, you know, but it's like, what does that even mean? Like, I know yeah. what it means, but what does it really mean? You know? And then also like, it's, yeah. Can you even do that? Like, can a relationship and I'm not saying you can or can't, I just don't know. But like, if you're saying relationship as something else and then it turns into something else, like, can that happen in the sense when money's involved and like tangible things like that are involved? I wonder, what do you guys think? Mm. It's hard. It's not an easy negotiation. I think Harley's done it pretty well overall. Um, but you would also not, not to talk for you, but you would also say like long-term it, it's going to be, it would be tricky to stay here long-term. Would that be Possibly. true? Yeah, that's true. I, that's actually why I'm trying to honestly do this thing, which is my own thing. Like I seeing you and Jordan have their own businesses and doing their own thing, not connected to their roommate, mom. By the way. Yeah. Either For way, he runs a shoe business and mm. a lot of other things too, but it's like, Nice. Pursuing this, it's like it's allowed me to like feel a sense of independence, even though I all of my income comes from the work I do for the family business. It's like my goal is to one day be as independent as possible from it. But like, I don't know. There's also the other argument of like a family dynasty. Do you want to keep it going? If using the power of industrial engineering, could I yeah. document all the processes within this system that brings in a bit of money? And then hire other people to do it if the processes are documented perfectly or as perfect as possible. And so that's like, I see that as a route where it's like, I wouldn't mind still being a stakeholder and then having other people do a majority of the work. So yeah, so that's, it's really a huge debate. Maybe I take a real engineering job. Maybe I keep doing this pod. Maybe I keep working at expert, maybe a combo with one or two. Ah. It's hard to know, but for now, it's it's like the most logical decision is to just stay for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's tricky. It's tricky. What? Uh, oh, unless you got some, Luke. Sorry. No, go for it. Go for it. I was gonna ask you. I was gonna ask you the same yeah, question. What's like, on what's, your, uh, what's on your mind these days? What's the next big, big thing or thing in your mind? <laughs> yeah, man. I I think that um, you know, for so long I've had like a uh how do i explain it it's like being waking up for the first time because for so long my mind was dulled by inflammation so to speak yeah and it's just the weirdest thing ever because i was living but i wasn't living like i was kind of like floating around and i was still doing the business and running things and all that kind of stuff but i wasn't there you know and it's just like the first time in a long time um, it's always up and down, but for the most part, it's reached a point now where I wake up in the morning. I'm like, wow, like I'm alive, like I'm here, um, and I'm, you know, so I'm. It's almost like I've been re- reborn again in a weird way, and it's like, what do I want to do with this? All this energy I have, um, what do I, what do I want to do with, you know, who, who do I want to be? Like, I can go to the gym again, like I can start training again. I've been training like five, six times a week, so I'm like, whoa, like, this is fucking awesome, and it really like made me think, like you know, when I was feeling that crappy way, I'm like, oh, I'm so unmotivated. It's like when anyone feels like this, they wouldn't do anything. So you know, I kind of thought about the motivation thing, which is another story, but um, yeah. So I'm kind of like in this new era of my life where like I've quite literally um, the dishes have been washed, so to speak, and everything's all clean and sparkly and they're, like, they're ready to use again. It's like, what do I do with this now? Um, so it's not a specific challenge, but rather, I guess, you know, the, the challenge is always the business. It's always like, and that's what I'm doing right now. It's like, um, you know what it is actually? Yeah, that's this is what it is. It's the most recent one that's come off the back end of the health stuff. Um, it just took me a while to discover it. 
it's um so i have you know my business is doing content for people and i've got i don't know how many clients now somewhere like nine or ten maybe maybe a bit more all doing different things and and whatnot and it's growing it's and it's going well um but i have a choice now do i you know i'm doing the podcast here with you guys right now and this needs to be cut up this needs to be youtube clips and thumbnails and time investment so to sit down last night i'm sitting there and at my lounge and i'm thinking to myself like okay this is how much profit i bring in if i don't do my own content and the profit margins were sitting at about 50 percent around 50 51 which is really good i'm like that's perfect that will get me like the life that i want i could do some things in my life that are like like awesome like fuck yeah like that's really cool and i had myself on the profit margins go down like to a point where it's like i'm comfortable but i'm not like i'm not i'm not living that life that i've always dreamed about so to speak mm. So I'm sitting there thinking to myself, and this is like the part of me that like like loves to live in the 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 chaos, right? And like this week, like money came through and straight away I just spent it all on sales. Like I just put it all into sales, like getting leads, all these things. And I had like, like zero money in my bank account. I'm like, this is great. But it's just I feel like home. I know it sounds weird, but I feel like home. It's like because I've always lived that way in a sense of like just investing money back into something. Like Grant Cardone style of stuff, like um, mm. No money bank account. It's like, I didn't even think I was doing that. I wasn't trying to be like him. I just did that naturally. Mm-hmm. So my challenge at the moment is like, I'm sitting there and I, I've kind of decided what I want to do already. Hence why I'm on this call with you guys right now, this podcast, or we're going to call it live. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, I could have this life that I want. I can move into this new place. I could do these things, X, Y, Z, but no content for me. Like no content for me, at least for a while, for three or four months. That's the you know, long-term approach as far as like, if I'm an accountant and the artist inside of me and like the, you know, like the part of me that, that wants the, the chaos and wants the personal brand out there. And I guess the ego of like being out there and all this content being done properly is like, no, let's go for like health for leather, as they say, like just fucking do it. And I kind of decide on that, but that's a challenge for me at the moment is like um, the balance of running a business and being realistic and being like a child and following my dreams and you know for the longest time i've always been like nine to five job like this much is coming in this much goes here very like you know rigid in a way and very logical in a way and very like disciplined there's a part of me that just wants to like just have fun and like do what i want to do and fuck the money that's where i'm at right now so (laughs) i don't know if there's a right wrong answer but i think both are right and they're both wrong so yeah tricky balance it is so tricky like man kind of gotta eat but i also like really like doing this you know it's uh yeah it's tricky man no it's interesting to hear interesting and the potential for a personal brand to hypothetically maybe even allow you to eat much more than any content creation for others could ever do possibly it's, later down the road with the consistency and the grind and the yeah it's high risk it's it's I like mm-hmm. it's basically the question is fundamentally um on a scale of zero to ten how much risk do i want to take on the threshold might be like eight and you know we're sitting at like five or six like oh this is so nice Da-da. now it's like an eight or nine it's like okay i gotta like really figure this out now but you know what actually and i've kind of made my mind up in fact i have made my mind up hence why i'm here right now like i said whereas like i'm going to just um like prioritize sales go sales heavy in the business and also at the same time um just keep hiring and just like just take the risk. What's the worst that's gonna happen? Like I just, I get a, a job. Like it's not that hard. So 
yeah. I mean, I guess it's a lesson for life for those listening as well. It's like, you know, what's your tolerance for for stress, for neuroticism, so to speak? And, um, you know, can you push that threshold a bit? Because if you want to be a, like an entrepreneur or do business or whatever, there's no reality in where, at least from, from what I can see, I've done one business in my life, so to speak. But you need to be able to, as far as I'm concerned, have a high threshold for <laughs> adversity. Like there was times over the last couple of months where I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to pay my staff. I don't know what I'm going to do. I lost like three clients in one hit. I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm like, oh, I'll figure it out. I just figured it out and things just came through. And it's just like living in that stress is just, it's painful, but it's also like the best feeling in the world. I don't know if you guys watch the UFC on the weekend. Do you guys watch UFC? Nah, not typically. Not as so much. This fighter, Israel Adesanya, he, um, he fought this guy uh, two times in kickboxing he then went to the UFC, like smash around the UFC, became world champion. Then this guy followed him from kickboxing because he's like, well, this guy did it. And he beat him in kickboxing twice. Contentious. Anyways, he followed him in the UFC, like fast-tracked him to the title shot with him. This guy, Izzy, Israel Asanya, is then winning the fight. He's like winning the fight on points. He's, he's killing it, crushing it. Then the last, like, I think it was two minutes of the fight, um, this Alex guy who'd followed him, like basically like he's just hunted him through the division, just hit him with a, a hit and like he was against the fence, he was moving, but he was kind of knocked out. So then the ref stopped it, right? And here's the cool part. Um, so he's lost three times to this guy, fourth time now he's fighting him, two times kickboxing, one time in UFC, mixed martial arts. And he's in this fight. In the second round, he plays possum, which is like you pretend to be on the ropes, like getting fucked up basically. He then comes back and then hits him with this hook. He then startled, hits him again, hammer fist, beats him. And in the end of the fight, the post-fight interview, he's talking on there. He's like, um, I hope everyone in life feels this feeling of like, I've gone through this adversity over and over and over and over again, but now I've won. And he goes, and I keep winning and da-da-da. And he's went on this like really inspirational rant. I can maybe show the video here, but I think it might be copyrighted. The point I'm making though is that like, severe stress, severe trauma, severe pain, severe uh, bad experiences. They like, it's like a, like a ball, they add up inside this ball. And then when you hit through that fucking threshold, it bursts. And next thing you know, like you're experiencing all these fucking amazing emotions. So it's like, would I trade all those stressful times just to feel neutral? It's like, no. So that whole experience led to this like breakthrough moment of like, whoa, look what I'm doing. I'm just sitting looking at sunset. I'm like, did this happen? Did this just happen today? So that's a good good perspective to take on board, I think. That's yeah. great, man. No, seriously. Nothing uh nothing worth doing comes easy in some sense. It's an interesting way of looking at it. And the other thing is like it's we I I, I tend to do this too. It's like, oh, okay, once I once I do this, I'll be happy or I'll be satisfied. Or once I reach this goal, then I'll be good. And it's mm. just it's just not about that. It just isn't about reaching the number. It isn't about reaching the goal. It's about the journey to that goal. And it's cliche, but it's true. It is true. Nah, it's um it's one of the truest things I've learned. So but yeah, on the entrepreneurial point, it um you do have to high you do have to have a high threshold for stress and risk negative things thinking. and risk and like I don't know. I, my my biggest thing is like the amount of like the equipment we use is more niche for me, but like the equipment we use is really expensive. So like we get fairly large loans to purchase it. And for landscaping? 
Yeah, yeah. For lands- landscaping, mowing, you know, the trucks, the trailers, it just adds up. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, uh, I told my parents how much debt I'm in the other day, and they they looked at me and they're like, you're crazy. And I'm like, well, I'm all in. So, you know, it's it, talk about a good motivator. The you, game. you know, you got, you're saying, you know, you had $0 in the bank. Go, hey, man, it's a hell of a motivator. So, you know, and that doesn't mean, you know, the flip side of that is like, don't, don't be stupid. You know, don't, don't be dumb. But, <laughs> but, you know, you need to, you need to have a little bit of that. Like, eh, a little bit of, a little bit of motivation there is good. So, anyway. Kind of You're not wrong, man. Like all the, all the the big changes I'm making, like the changes I make in my business right now is because someone said to me like, hey, I've decided to leave because this happened. I'm like, oh, what have I done to cause this? It's like, oh shit, I missed this. I missed this. So it's like, rather than being like, oh, that's an option. Now it's like, I need to do that. And that was painful. It's like, fuck, like I fucked up. You know, I'm, I'm a bit of a failure here. Like I've let someone down. It's like, and what can I learn from this? So it's just like, it's the most... It's like, I think business is the most spiritual game ever. Like it just forces you to look at your shit and like, are you a good leader? Like, no, oh, I can be like this. I can become frustrated with people. And like, you go from like this, this spiky person, like up and down emotions to like, or like where things happen. It's like chaos is happening around me. And you're like a little bit up. You're like, oh, okay. And like bad conversations are less stressful. It's just it's the weirdest thing ever. And it's the same in life as well. I mean, but just business magnifies it, right? So. Oh, yeah. But um, oh, yeah. yeah, I think this has reached its natural end. We can um, wrap up and uh, yeah, any final thoughts? Feel free to plug anything you want to plug. Harley? Uh, <laughs> Harley Silver Podcast? No. <laughs> Harley Silver Podcast, life-changing clips, three-minute morsels. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding, but yeah. No, you're not. No, but seriously, but guys, like the, those uh, clips, they're fucking awesome. And the content, you guys pop, literally, well, I was on the call here at the start and your video, Nate, popped up. The new video editing is amazing. So check yeah. out these guys. It's good stuff, but please carry Appreciate on. Uh, yeah. Or not, eh, you go, you go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm one, no, no, just Harley Sealbinder podcast. Come check me out. I see a guy yeah. joined in the chat. Welcome. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, look that. at that. Archef uh, Hamari. He joined hey. in Nate's live stream. And so oh, cool. Well, so, hello. He's been following along for like, I don't know, 25 minutes, honestly. So but either way. Oh, and another guy. Okay, that. that's you. <laughs> but yeah. 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 Uh Nate Winky podcast on all the things. Um, yeah, trying to uh make sense of this world. If you want to come along. Uh, it's gonna be a wild ride so thanks for having us on luke uh, it's been fun seriously so this is great i love this i love yeah, live streaming this more i'm in yeah whatever you want guys like just it just feels like a conversation there's no no stress here at all so mm-hmm. all right sweet gravy um what else is there that's pretty much it um i hope you guys enjoyed send love send happiness and uh we'll see you guys later peace just feel it in my heart. I feel it in my chakra. Oh. <laughs> Back to those uh, yeah. feely people. Oh, oh, thank you guys. It's purring. Just, I know. I'm just sensing oh, the, you know, you're a bit off here at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, lads. Pleasure.